Judean people's front. For the people's front of Judea. Monty Python took a while to come together as a cohesive group. The five British Pythons, John Cleese, Graham Chapman, Terry Jones, Michael Palin, and Eric Idle, were all comedy performers who ran in the same circles. Terry Jones and Michael Palin attended Oxford and performed at the Oxford Review. Graham Chapman and John Cleese met at Cambridge, and Eric Idle met them a year later and all performed in the Footlights Review Cambridge Circus. When John Cleese was touring on the Footlights Review, a trip to tour in New York City led him to meet help animator and photojournalist Terry Gilliam, who photographed him for a spread. The five young comedians began appearing on different BBC radio and TV shows as either writers or performers. Finally, all converging on the Frost Report, yes, the Frost v. Nixon Frost, where all five of them worked as either cast members or writers. My wife is on several committees, runs the local opera group, and is secretary of the Bridge Club. My wife is a member of the Mother's Union, enjoys organizing coffee mornings, and is a driver for Meals on Wheels. My wife is pregnant again. <laughs> we give dinner parties two or three times a week. This enables us to keep in touch with our wide circle of friends. We give a wine and cheese do once a month. This enables us to do it on the cheap. Her mother comes around Saturday nights and drinks my Guinness. <laughs> this enables her to get drunk for nothing. John Cleese brought Terry Gilliam aboard for an ITV show they were developing called Do Not Adjust Your Set. Last week, you remember, I was showing you how to make a bed for your roses. Well, this is what it looks like when complete. <laughs> All nice and tucked in there, you see? By this point, John Cleese and Graham Chapman had a distinctly aggressive and satirical writing style. Cleese and Chapman ended up in a room with Michael Palin and Terry Jones and Eric Idle pitching a new BBC sketch show. Cleese and Chapman would remain writing partners while Palin and Jones paired off and Eric Idle would write alone. They would then come together and put all the sketches together and Terry Gilliam would draw animated sequences in between the sketches. This collaboration on the new Monty Python's Flying Circus lasted from 1969 to 1974 as well as a 1971 movie composed of sketches called And Now for Something Completely Different. <laughs> And now for something completely different. In 1975, Monty Python was in full gear, although the BBC show Flying Circus had ended and they put their collaborative energy into a movie, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> the Athorian movie maintains a disjointed, surrealist, sketch-like feel while managing to, like the Book of Tales that King Arthur is known for, act as a series of connected stories. This was good for the Monty Python style of collaboration where teams would split off. But during the Holy Grail press run, they decided to do something edgier and different for their next project. And now for something completely different. Eric Idle came up with the title, Jesus Christ, Lust for Glory, after the patent release in the UK gave it the name Patton, or Deal and Triumph. Doing a movie about Jesus Christ seemed too edgy, even for Monty Python. But while brainstorming, they came up with the idea of doing a case of mistaken identity about a guy who gets mistaken for the Messiah. And thus, Life of Brian was born. The angle that we all agreed on in the end was that you'd look at 
the historical situation in Judea at that time. It was a time when the sort of millennium was being sort of thought about again and people were, were expecting God to come down and clean up the world and all that. So people were looking for Messiah. They didn't want to do the same thing they had done on Flying Circus and Holy Grail. They wanted a script that was more straightforward and cohesive. Although still having the same issue, there's a very funny sequence where Brian gets rescued by a spaceship because they couldn't think of an escape. This was a tactic they used all the time in Flying Circus, where Terry Gilliam would draw them out of skits they couldn't think of an end for. Breaking into their pairs, they then met together in Barbados for two weeks and hammered out the rest of the screenplay. Graham Chapman had been drinking quite a bit, but wanted to play Brian. John Cleese wasn't sure, but after Chapman quit drinking right before the shoot, everyone agreed. They headed off to Tunisia, where they'd be able to replicate the Middle East. One thing they got under every Python's skin was that the mid-20th century Christianity they all had some experience with was fully mediated by the churches. There was a lot of religion thrown at us, but very little that was explained certainly satisfactorily. I'd been confirmed and I'd sat around for some weeks expecting some golden glow to descend on me. And when it didn't, I became fairly atheistic or humanistic. Rather than explaining Christianity in a way that might appeal to rationality, organized churches just laid out the information for the masses and expected them to just follow blindly. The idea of this messianic figure then felt ridiculous and ripe for the type of lampooning that independent thinkers point at forms of blind authority. Hear that? Blessed or the Greek? The Greek? Hmm. Well, apparently he's going to inherit the earth. Did anyone catch his name? You're not going to thump anybody. I'll thump him if he calls me Big Nose again. Oh, shut up, Big Nose. Oh, what? I warned you. And it wasn't just religion, but political dogma and ideology that also demands the same blind obedience and also requires martyrs. Those leaps to faith are funny when mediated by organizations and institutions who clearly have an agenda. What happens if they get the information wrong? The other plot, where Brian joins the People's Front of Judea, who seem more intent on fighting the similar Judeans' People's Front than the Romans, similarly shows the dogmatic political sectarianism that also leads to people needing martyrs. The answer is ultimately to think for yourself. Skittish financiers began falling through almost immediately. However, with legions of fans out there hoping to see another film, including their famous friends, George Harrison stepped forward to finance the production with that sweet Beatles cash. George Harrison later admitted he just wanted to know what they had created. The Pythons knew this concept would be controversial, but they weren't ready for what happened next. The film was banned in Italy, Norway, and Ireland. This was used in the film's promotion, with posters in Sweden reading, so funny it was banned in Norway. And in England, a crusading conservative activist named Mary Whitehouse, who had spent the 60s crusading against dirty television and teaching sex ed in British schools, turned her activism onto boycotting Life of Brian. Many English localities decided to either ban it outright or give it an X rating. Mary Whitehouse had led the protests against films throughout the 1960s and 1970s, including a large boycott of The Exorcist, last week's episode. In 1977, White House found her new favorite type of crusade after going after the gay news in British courts. She had objected to a poem about a Roman centurion who fantasized about Jesus' crucifixion holes. The charge of blasphemy had stuck, with gay news getting shut down. As it went on, 
an extraordinary thing happened was that we were the ones with the serious points and they were the ones who were playing to the crowd. I simply don't think it was worthy of you. It was the sort of thing, as I say, that at Cambridge, the footlights did on a damp Tuesday afternoon, uh, or the lower fourth when I was a schoolmaster. Uh, you keep making the basic assumption that we are ridiculing Christ and Christ's teaching, and I say that we are not. The protests and boycotts this time ended up with Michael Palin and John Cleese going on TV to debate Christian activist Malcolm Muggeridge and the Bishop of Southwark. Harry Jones later summed up the defense. The life of Brian was heretical, not blasphemous. It doesn't take aim at Jesus or his teachings, but pleads for independent thought as an antidote against the type of blind obedience that leads to religious believers killing each other over misunderstandings about Jesus' teachings on peace and love. The big objection that Christians in the UK and the US had to Life of Brian was the final crucifixion scene. They claimed it was making light of Jesus' crucifixion, though he does not even appear in the scene, and that it was making crucifixion seem like a jolly good time. Harry Jones, for one, hit back, saying that he felt like it was sick that Christianity turned a form of torture into a religious icon. And, as Terry Gilliam has expressed, the irony is palpable. Here, a movie which mocks blind obedience and the mediation of religious organization to information was being boycotted by people who hadn't even seen it yet because of what they were told was in it. The height of this came during the debate where Malcolm Muggeridge admitted that he even missed the first 15 minutes and so never understood that Brian wasn't Jesus. As for Mary Whitehouse, she'd go on from there to coin the term video nasties, which we talked about when we covered possession. But Brian, you know what they say? Some things in life are bad. They can really make you mad. Other things just make you swear and curse. Anyway, before I introduce the panel, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Hit that bell to get notified whenever we're streaming. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live stream, send us a super chat which helps me keep the show running, which I am obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash movie night extra. All of our after parties are on there forever. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Conan Neutron, host of Britonic Reversal, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends, neutronfriends.bandcamp.com. Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends has a new split LP with Lung, Adult Prom, available now on Bandcamp. J. Andrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, artist for Give Them an Argument, co-host for Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. Ryan Lake is a philosophy professor at Georgia State Perimeter College, has made frequent podcast appearances, including on Give Them an Argument, and is on Twitter at Chaos Pet. I, of course, am your host, Forrest Miller, a well-known wise man of the Wise Man Trio. What do I bring to the table? Well, myrrh, of course. What is myrrh? Well, it's a great big beast. <laughs> there you go, folks. There you go. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, this is the first uh, Python we've done, yeah? Yeah, but we yeah, did do, yeah. I mean, we did uh, We did Time Bandits, which obviously doesn't that's count whatsoever. That's a, that's a Terry Gilliam. Yeah, yeah. but, yeah. but uh, I got to use some of the same... Uh, intro stuff to <laughs> right, explain sure. Terry Gilliam's life, so it was like deja vu. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, we also did Twelve Monkeys, which is another Gilliam joint. But yeah, but yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, Gilliam sort of transcends Python, right? Yeah, yes, absolutely. 
<laughs> I, I feel honored to be here for the first Python. This is great. There you go. There you go. It's, it's our first us. Python. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> what about Terry Gilliam? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> uh, I think sometimes, the most. Sometimes I feel like this podcast is the. Uh, when he comes, in, he's like, "I'd like to have an argument, please." That fucking whole sketch. <laughs> Absolutely. Boy, ain't that the truth. Uh, I think the most important thing about this movie on rewatch, because it's been a long time since I've seen this, mm -hmm. is it's still funny. So I'm going to put that out right there, because there are people that yeah. claim that it isn't, and they clearly are idiots, or they have no sense of humor, because it's still very Who funny. said it wasn't? Who said it's not funny? I just told you, idiots. <laughs> I was very clear about who I was talking about. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot, yeah. there's a lot of idiots. There are. Yeah, it's still hilarious. Yeah, I hadn't watched it in many years. And then I, I just, during the pandemic, um, I was showing my nephew's Pop Python movie. So I showed them uh, Holy Grail first, of course. And they loved it. So then I showed them this, and they were very confused because they weren't raised religious at all. So they right. had no yeah. idea what most of the humor was. So I had to explain it. Then, so I explained a lot of the themes to them. They're like, oh, that, that sounds stupid. Okay. <laughs> I, I think I had a very, I mean somewhat of a similar trajectory i mean i was like raised in a family that was somewhat religious but like i watched uh holy grail first for sure and then me and my brother got really really into it and we watched it like probably like 50 times my brother had this thing where he really liked the and the animator had a heart attack and we just rewind it over and over again and make <laughs> fucking Terry gilliam have yeah. a heart attack Oof. over and over yeah. and over again but then i watched this and i was definitely like I don't like maybe, maybe some of the jokes. I mean, like obviously, like the whole biggest dickest thing I thought was funny, even when I was like, I don't know, like eight. Sure. Or nine. I mean, yeah, there, there's humor that plays to twelve year olds. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I, as I'm often fond of pointing out, because there's a lot of uh, things fully seeped in Catholicism and and whatnot. Uh, I did not grow up religious, and I think this. I thought this movie was absolutely hilarious from the very beginning because, for me, the absurdity of it is sort of like that was sort of sharing my thoughts on like what why do these people believe this meaning of life does a pretty good job of explaining the difference mm -hmm. between catholicism and protestantism which is funny because that's actually how i found it. i was like oh why didn't anyone just say that like yeah, yeah like no yeah, one could explain to me why they were different kids. <laughs> <laughs> and like i was like they just this movie this funny movie just explained like that entire concept to me in like three and a half minutes and like i got it more than i got from anyone like talking about their stupid religions but uh point of fact is uh that i mean i thought this was hilarious and obviously almost more hilarious because i was coming at it from a place of uh irreligiosity mm -hmm. and that like I already thought most of this stuff was absurd. So the fact that these guys thought it was absurd as well was like, great. Uh, but yeah. I think, it, but it's also like, it's not just religion that, that gets it. I mean, this is like grassroots organizing gets it like between the eyes, like oh, <laughs> several absolutely. times. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I, I finally watched, I think Andy did too, I finally watched like the deleted scenes where it's like the entire sequence with the uh, the People's Front of Judea. Yes. And like the <laughs> so the, 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 not, so the Nazi good. Zionist. Uh, yeah. they would really, it, hits, it hits fucking hard this week especially, but like. Well, yeah, yeah timely, <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I've seen all that stuff because I was I was borderline obsessive Monty Python fan for, for as a much younger man as what tends to happen to younger men. Mm -hmm. uh, but it has it's been like years and years. But yeah, I, I remember thinking it was like, I was like, oh, that's pretty spicy. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's. <laughs> Still, still prescient in all the same ways, and and up to and including you know the Judean people's friends versus people's friend of Judea as shorthand for how like you know you know when 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 they like have them like well we have to we have to take action 
and take a meeting immediately. Like that kind of like, <laughs> like yeah. it's it's perfect and it, it's so absurd. And it's like, it's, like it fucking, it's the DSA kind of thing too, where it's like uh, you spend more time kind of getting everybody's like, uh, I mean, I guess now it's like pronouns and like, uh, you know, like they're right. like all of their yeah. like identity things. But when he finally comes up like hours later and fucking Brian's on the cross, they're like, well, we want to make sure, uh, thank you for women and hermaphrodites. And you know that that's what they've been doing at that meeting the entire time, is just listing off like yeah. marginalized groups so they can add mm-hmm. on to this letter. Right, right. That's right. And that's it. And that's and that's the sum of their action is just the letter. When we as we've mentioned all the right people in the letter, yeah. we're good. Yeah. 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 And then and, and I, then they thank him for a sacrifice. It's like, no, rescue yeah. me, you idiots. <laughs> yeah. The the uh the Python's uh documentary actually has John Cleese uh, talking about how he had a uh tract from uh a Stalinist who was uh railing mm. against the Trotsky. Uh I that that uh <laughs> reads just like that scene. So like this is nothing. Yeah, yeah, it's the, very the unfair. tracks were uh, the Twitter posts of their day. So yes. yeah. well the one the one <laughs> the one guy that's sitting there that he's like, Oh, that's the popular front or whatever, and then they like all yell splitter and so that's like Trotsky shit. Like when it gets to the point where the uh the cells of different groups are split off so many times, it's just one guy. Like that's what happened to like yeah. every Trotsky and cell. Like, that's like Martin Luther. Everywhere. He was torching the Catholic yeah. Church, old school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. it was a vi- it was a viral tweet of its day when he put that proclamation on the on the door. Yeah, and it, I mean it hits at any of your. Still gets retweeted. I, it 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 feels. I mean, it feels a lot like my life in academia. Like every meeting, every faculty senate meeting I'm on, yeah. it's like it's literally years of just like okay, let's let's motion to consider this motion and then yeah nothing happens it takes years for the smallest thing to happen it's just yeah <laughs> it's painfully on point there's there's like a some stuff that's been written uh after the fact on this movie that's like it's just surprisingly accurate and like uh compared to like the rest of the because most jesus movies are like propaganda right like it's christian propaganda yeah. or yeah, it's yeah. secular propaganda that's trying to like explore the life of jesus from our lens but this movie like obviously doesn't try to do that and for no, that not at fact, all there's a yeah. lot of like I guess Terry Jones uh, had written a lot of like amateur historian work, so he was actually well versed in because he was directing it, right? Like, yeah, I think he's a professional historian, but yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, t- you said Terry Gilliam, I think you mean Terry Jones, right? Oh, Terry, Terry jo- yeah. Terry, Terry Jones, Jones is the one who directed it. He also yes. did a a really um, lesser known series, and I might have brought this up on this show uh, before called uh, The Barbarians. That's about basically. An, like it's sort of like an alt history of uh, Roman history, which was you know written by the winners, of course. That he like outlines in just excruciating detail about how yeah, it's like they got to write the history, so they made themselves out to be the good guys like the entire time. And it's it's kind of even if you're his, in, in the history buff, you're like there's things in there where it's like oh wow, that's where that came from. <laughs> and it's he just takes a certain glee uh, to just torching him uh so to speak <laughs> uh mm. i mean r.i.p he, he did i you know he, he passed in uh, 2020 of course but yeah um, but like that having seen all that well that didn't exist first time i saw this movie but it's sort of like all the jabs he, ta- he takes at the romans too it's like oh it's pretty like it's pretty even-handed and tame compared to like <laughs> this actual not fu- not funny in the traditional way but like more informative and interesting like miniseries he did uh called barbarians 
where it's yeah, basically yeah, one of the many yeah. things is it's like oh yeah it was actually way better to be like you know a, a a woman in any of these barbarian tribes than to be like it in rome and by the way you know why they call them the vandals and it's like well yeah they they were kept like poking them with a sharp stick over and over again and then they finally like if you keep poking with a sharp stick we're gonna react they did and they they burned and sacked rome so what are they known for vandalism that's vandalism yeah. And yeah, it's like, yeah. no, the Vandals were right. They, they were completely right to react in the manner they did, but they didn't write the history books. Yeah. Yeah, no. And they, I think that's were, amazing. I mean, that, was, that was a big part of, like, the tanking of the fucking Roman Empire when yeah. it finally started to fall. Um, the, other, the other thing, uh, Terry Jones directed The Wind in the Willows and, like, the surprisingly, like, sentimental and, like, accurate version of it. I remember watching that when I was a kid. Be like, this is also Monty Python? Like, I yeah. mean, essentially, you know what I mean? Because it has all the same cast members in it. Um, I remember really liking that when I was a kid, too. Well, he's a bit of a sentimentalist uh, yeah. as well, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not, not just the I, I actually, uh, the, the wildest thing I ever did is uh, when my oldest kid first could actually hear outside the womb, we, uh, me and my wife went to go see Eric Idle. And so oh, the nice. first thing that right. uh, my kid heard outside the womb was Eric Idle telling jokes about a big long <laughs> dick coming into a lake. Uh, <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it was wonderful. I wonder what my kids he, are screwed he, up. Uh, <laughs> he ended up he ended up incorporating um always look on the bright side of life into the spam a lot show in the middle which, of which uh, is which is can I just say a remarkable composition. Like just yeah, like oh, absolutely fantastic. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean that scene is one of my favorite scenes in any movie ever. It's just fantastic. And I was just watching, have you guys seen the eulogy or like the memorial service for Graham Chapman? Um No. It's oh, it's it's really great. Um, so so uh, John Cleese has a hilarious eulogy. Um, you okay. see a sim- snippet of that, but um, then they all gather and they sing uh, "Always Look on the Bright Side of Life." And it's, That's it's very, amazing. It's very that. poignant. It's very powerful. Yeah. Um, it's it's great. I, I love where they bring on uh, Graham Chapman's ashes so they could have a reunion, and they actually spill it, yeah. and John Cleese <laughs> yes. pulls out a dustbuster and starts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Staggeringly consistent. Yeah, uh, it's it's also notable, and I'm glad that was in the in the uh, intro, of course, for us. So that like mm. everyone we get mad at this is like it isn't actually about Jesus though. It's more about the power of like you know wh- why followers, especially of, of religion, mm-hmm. just tend to you know uh, misinterpret things and like bring their own yeah. uh, drama into it. And more like a spoof of like religiosity in and of itself, because it's a case yeah. of mistaken identity. At mm-hmm. no point does Brian ever say like, "I'm the Messiah, look at me." You know, it's just like, he basically he stumbles says, into. I'm it. not the Messiah. <laughs> a bunch of times, like he yeah. keeps saying he's not, and then and then they keep you know yeah. denying oh. him. Well, what time I mean, he says he is, because they're like they're like, well, the Messiah would say he's not the Messiah. Yeah. Like, okay, <laughs> then I am, and they're like the Messiah. And it's like, <laughs> like you can't you can't fuck it. He's like, I, I love what he like. He kind of looks at the camera. He's like, well, what chance do I have now? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the target is 100% the followers. It, it's the it, yeah. and just the and just the absurdity of the weird dogmas and that's what I love about it. It's like just the, like the shoe and the gore. You take off your shoe. No, follow the gourd. No. Yeah, it, yeah, because of the it, sect- sectarianism. Yeah, where it's like yeah. the, no, the gourd versus the shoe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he um so so Graham Chapman was like an alcoholic when this movie came out and 
he quit drinking on the set of this movie. Like he, he quit mm-hmm. cold turkey so he could be in life of Brian. And John Cleese was like, well, you can only really be in it if you stop drinking because your drinking has gotten to the point where like you can't, we can't rely yeah, yeah. on you. If you, if you watch Python, uh, if you watch uh, Holy Grail, you'll notice a lot of cuts whenever uh, Graham Chapman's talking. And it's because they, they had to like keep feeding his lines because he was too drunk to remember them. Um, no, and somehow so- it works. Uh, yeah, well, so so he um he doesn't say that much in uh in in Holy Grail, right? Like, but uh in in this, right? Like he talks a lot more, and um yeah, so he quit drinking on. They were like in the Bahamas or something, uh mm-hmm. when they were. And I have I have footage of this. Um, I have footage of them running around in uh. I yeah, apparently Keith Moon was hanging out with him too, and Keith Moon was also trying to dry up. Uh, but he was uh. <laughs> Uh, I, I can't remember what that because at that point, according to what I saw, uh, said that Graham Chapman had already dried out and uh, Keith Moon was taking something that that uh, if you're an alcoholic, you take to kind of like uh, even yourself out, to, you know, as you're withdrawing from the alcohol. Um, and uh, uh, it, um, uh, but sadly, like Keith Moon passed away before they could film uh, his scene because he was going to be in he was going to be one of the uh, the messiahs, you know, along the the row there and uh terry oh, yeah. gilliam did a smart <laughs> i think they give you value or the, back then they would give you valium if you were trying to dry out because it like relieved the anxiety from uh, uh yeah. yeah which is another thing that if you t- stop taking cold turkey you can die mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like you're, you're trading off the only other thing that if you stop doing it cold turkey and you're that like into it like you could probably die Well, this is, believe it or not, the amazing, oh, good Lord, naked man already. Um, semi-naked, that's Terry Gilliam who's doing an underwear advert as well as just to sort of bring in the few pennies while we did our rewriting. And there's Terry, Terry J who's put the waste paper basket over his head. Oh, that's so wonderful. We're all in very good spirits, you can tell, as we were writing here in um, in the... Um, this amazing house in Barbados called Heron Bay, where we had assembled to spend two weeks finally putting the Life of Brown script into shape. It was already there, but we wanted to do some work on it. Um, Terry Jones and myself had sort of decided that we should finish the work in London and then go on holiday. But John and Eric particularly said, no, there's John, there's John. Look, typing away with this can of hairspray beside him always there always had his hairspray beside him uh anyway eric and john said no let's go somewhere very nice and right and this he couldn't be nicer than this look at it a sort of italian style country house by the caribbean which is zooming by as i pan um and uh these were the rooms in which we worked sometimes en masse sometimes separately here's lunch got eric there eric's wife tanya's there and uh, I must apologize because I shot most of this and I was very, very poor cameraman, especially on the close-ups. I hadn't mastered that. So if you see any shots that have me in it, you'll see that they are in focus and um, competently shot. I was good on trees. I was very good on, I was kind of much influenced by, oh, you see, that's that wasn't shot by me and it's absolutely in focus. It was me with feeding Terry Gilliam, as I've done many times. But... Uh, 
end of lunch there's alan price alan price and jill his wife i think there they are we had many visitors we had alan price we had keith moon mick jagger the first night there he did this amazing uh, we played charades and his his charade of the sex pistols has to be seen to be remembered there we are there's graham chapman graham sort of hovering about and Terry's, oh yes, Terry's always aware that there's a moment for an audition, he's auditioning his mouth. There's the Duke of Edinburgh, who was a, a frequent visitor of the house when it was built by Ronald Tree in the 1940s. And there are the scissors, which he might have used, which we now use to edit the life of Brian. There is clips and the cuts will be made with those scissors under the beady eye of the Duke of Edinburgh himself. So lovely rooms very comfortable and of course you know the weather was to die for it's 82 degrees almost every day we worked i think about six hours in the morning six hours in the afternoon um we we're always available for a bit of jolly jape here's eric and do a funny fall he's gone with his coffee very good house was actually modeled yes terry there <laughs> and here's sir and there's a great Sleeping Lion, which is rather wonderful. Recumbent Lion. Lion's just really too bored to do anything. We had to do certain things. So that is the tree, the same tree that um, has little apples. And on the very first night, Terry Gilliam ate some of them, and um, we were having dinner. And people who, the locals said, oh, one thing we should tell you is that that big tree with the apples in the courtyard, um, it's... Uh, the fruit is poisonous, so just make sure you don't eat any of those. And Terry went very, very quiet because he'd had about six. <laughs> but he was still alive in the morning and is, is still alive now. It's a miracle. Very nasty, fatal, possibly fatal tree. But not to Terry. There's John and a man called Charles Levinson, who I think is um, was a lawyer who came to see us. And... Lunch was taken. Everything was made out of limestone. The house itself made out of coral, limestone. Here's the the table, which was also made out of a huge chunk of limestone. <laughs> that was an abrupt ending. That was as abrupt <laughs> ending as those Terry Gilliam, like, oh, whatever, let's draw him out of this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like mid-drink on that one. I, well, I, I waited for it to the say poisoned it. apples. It's great. Yeah, yeah. I waited for it to say limestone, and then I cut it off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now for something completely different. <laughs> yeah. Granite. Uh, now granite's a completely different thing that I'm putting out there. That would that would indeed be a different thing than the other thing that was mentioned before. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. You think they just made up the story about the apples so people wouldn't eat them? Just, <laughs> oh, <don't lie. laughs> yeah, maybe they didn't talk about any other side effects. So uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe. But but that, uh, you know, Terry Gilliam did do a lot of drugs. <laughs> True. Yeah, there, yeah. He he might have had like a high tolerance or something. Yeah, <laughs> just for whatever. Got, well, he also got the strong American stomach rather than like mm -hmm. you know the British stomach that's used to mm -hmm. just eating like mushy stuff and ah. Uh, so maybe the, the, winning, the, the warning was for the Brits. Like you guys can't yeah. handle these apples. Yeah. Y'all yeah. okay. boil your food, don't you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but so this that that period, right? They had all gone their separate ways. They had all written because they were writing in pairs, and then they all came back together at that house and spent two weeks. 
I, I guess in Barbados. I said the Bahamas by accident, but Bar- in Bar- Barbados. And then they came up with an entire script, which is something that they hadn't done before. Uh, you know, like usually they just kind of let it be their own kind of madness. Mm-hmm. And there's like, there, there's so much footage that he has for this that I'm like, I don't know when you had time to like during those two weeks to fucking uh like write the script or finish it you know what i mean like there's all these like videos like there's this part where they're playing volleyball for like like 10 minutes like it's like i don't know you guys seem like you're just doing fun stuff like (laughs) seems like you're just like like... (laughs) having having a day yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) no apparently according to uh one of the things i watched we were saying that that uh you know like they they had certain hours they worked and then they had certain hours where they played. Uh, so, so like, the day was broken up really nicely. Um, well, he said it in there. He said six hours on, six hours off or something like that. But I, I guess they just didn't film those six hours when they were on. They were just like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, they were busy working. Um, but but he, he he was just like, um, which is a problem because Keith Moon was always waiting around for us to finish up to play. <laughs> That's funny. I think so wait, that. So this, so, this, so this keeps going when they hit Tunisia. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, so this is a version. So this is so they finished the script at this point, mm-hmm. and they've arrived in Tunisia, and so they're just. I and I could I could put us on the screen, so like you know, if anybody wants to stop it and say anything, they can. But yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty interesting. It's I, I it, yeah. it's I I don't I can't think of any frame of reference for Monty Python movies being seriously discussed. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm sure it maybe has existed at some point or another, but I'm not aware of it. Uh, so, I mean, there's no, I, I don't know, Ryan, have you read any papers? Um, I, I haven't, no, I mean, I, I feel like there's gotta be, I mean, you can definitely draw some very serious themes out of this movie and Sir? Uh, some of the other yeah. movies. Absolutely. Like I said, it, it, it uh, not this one, but meaning of life, it yeah. taught me the difference between Catholicism and Protestantism yeah. <laughs> in a way that, that like years yeah. of school did not. Cause I was I like, mean, look, I, mean, I know how it got there, but why are they different? Yeah, I was, I mean, I was, there's, there's like really heavy existentialist themes here, like serious yeah. stuff underneath the you know biggest dickus and all that. I was reading uh, like a ball sack. There's, there's yeah. an article that's like "Life of Brian: Terry Jones' Legacy of a Surprisingly Historical Jesus," mm-hmm. and uh, at the end of this article, they're talking about how um, like the, the person that wrote it, I guess, uh, teaches like a theology in a film class. And this is like their mm-hmm. central film that they have their class. Yeah, like yeah, absolutely. Movie. Yeah, you could you could build it. I I haven't done it, but I want to know. I mean, you could build a whole yeah, yeah, you're gonna write section a in a, an intro philosophy class around this film easily. We're gonna have you come back on when your book comes out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, like I mean, like, again, just the meta contextual uh, organizational aspect of it. Like you know, the, the United Against the Common Enemy, the G- Judean People's Front. No, the Romans. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. that alone is like, oh man, yeah, a gold, too gold. real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which I mean is a, is kind of like a subtext of the Bible. I feel like like one of the reasons that Jesus ends up getting picked up by the fucking you know by the Fed. Yeah. Uh, is they're like, well, you know, this power structure pretty much that he's created through his teaching, uh, like, is going to rival like King Herod, and so it's like, well, we got to take this guy out because he's yeah. spitting too much truth uh, about you know everybody sharing and stuff. We don't, we don't want that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, this is um, later in 1978. Fast forward a few months from the uh, the writing session in Barbados here we are in Monastir at the Rebat one of the oldest um, buildings in the country in, in Tunisia and there is the big set that was built that's a set on the left that was built for Jesus of Nazareth film with Robert Powell here are extras 
assembling. Um, we used an awful lot of Muslim extras to be sort of Jews of the time. I think they'd been in lots and lots of religious films because this was the the centre of um, of the big Christian filmmaking. And uh, this is the Rebat, very beautiful entry to it. What a claim to fame. And they had allowed us, the Tunisian film authorities, um, to film here. And so we built this amazing set. Oh, dear, what's happened to my willies? You sort of disappeared. Anyway, there's there we are. That's um, Pontius Pilate. Sorry, not me at all. Pontius Pilate. And um, we're about to shoot the reactions on the crowd. And he was saying... Yeah, Willie Swadwick, they have to shout, my, he wanks higher than any in womb, and all that sort of stuff. Um, so they've done my shots, and they're now looking at the crowd and getting, Terry is teaching them how to laugh uproariously. Um, I, I love that, like, the whole thing about how he, lots of sort of wonderful. he does the, the RL thing, like the whatever you call that particular speech aphorism, and that everyone, like, all, like, the, the guards just sort of, like, deal with it, right? But then, like, the public knows it, too, and they and they goof on him with the whole, like, I'll, like, release somebody, and they keep, like, throwing out fake names so they can just hear him screw up. Yeah, Like, well, that, the, that's such then, a Monty Python setup. But I, I love I love that Biggest Dickus has the T the T eight. He's got the right? the different one, yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's so, it, which which is doubly hilarious. But the, the thing the point is the point of it's funny is they set it up with the with the guards you know cracking up and like yeah, you know, and then he gets all pissed at them and whatever, and then you see like the crowd is getting into it as well, and, and then like yeah, then the, the payoff is that you get to see well it's his his good friend Biggest Dickus also has a has a more different <laughs> affectation that you know is yeah. is. It, <laughs> In the hands of, of lesser comedic uh, minds, they would just be like, oh, he's got like, he speaks funny. And that's, and that's just going to be a funny thing. But to have it referenced, then meta referenced, and then the, the actual tag to it is that, like, no, there's a, his, it, first of all, there is a biggest dickus, and also <laughs> Wadrick. <laughs> he, he can't say things in a more different way. <laughs> now, um, it, correct me if I'm wrong, because I did not reread uh, Monty Python's Tunisian Holiday for this. Uh, I did recommend it to everybody. Uh, but but uh, <laughs> if I remember correctly, in the book that didn't uh, he say You're that? You're lucky the... I'm on air, brother. You're giving me reading material? Jesus Christ. <laughs> a busy man. A Monty Python movie? Yeah. Yeah. No, but I, I think <laughs> Ryan read that. And uh, I don't know, For Forrest, did you read it? No, I haven't. Okay. You know. I, I did the audio book years ago, but but if I remember correctly, there were uh, whenever they filmed this scene, um, the 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 uh, actors from Tunisia did not quite understand what they were trying to tell them to do, so it yeah, took them the... a little while to explain it. <laughs> All right, so I, I feel like I, I'm a giant nerd now. I'm the only one who did the homework, but yeah, yeah, they had. <laughs> no, no, to, that's fine. It's all you. Yeah, man. He, Go for it. he he describes. Um, uh, I forget the author's name now, um, but he he describes how they had to like teach the 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 extras how to say the lines phonetically because they didn't understand uh, what they were saying okay. so they had you had this whole crowd of hundreds of people yeah. just learning phonetically to say you know waja and yeah you know, yeah well, well i mean they, they do it they, they do it they do it well i mean like yeah. i don't know like the crowd it's amazing the crowd, when the, that they when it gets they whipped up off. into like yeah. the frenzy or whatever and they're all thinking of new names to start shouting out like yeah. that's mm -hmm. like an amazing it's like an iconic thing and then like the the fact that it dawns over michael palin over time right like he doesn't realize it at first and he keeps asking like he's like he's like what are they laughing at and then yeah. you know what i mean like that whole like uh his his slow realization to the fact that like he and biggest thing is both have like these weird uh speech impediments yeah. there's also mm -hmm. the scene i i like the scene when uh um it's the two guys 
uh, the two guards, the Centurions or whatever, and they yeah. both have like these really bad stutters. And John Cleese walks away, and then they're like, "So, how how are you guys doing?" Today? Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, drops the Kim Howard Johnson. Kim Howard Johnson is the uh, author. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Monty Python's yeah. Season Holiday. Absolutely yeah. worth reading if you get a chance. Uh, it's it's. Uh, Honestly, I, I really enjoyed it. I did not think I'd enjoy the book as much as I actually did when I read it. Yeah, it's well, a great read. I mean, it's like the ultimate fan experience. Like, just this super fan gets to go tag along, document, be in that, play like half a dozen different roles in the movie. Like, wow. Like, it, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Here's another way to tag along by statues one. around. And here are <laughs> the fairly mystified extras from the hills around Monastir. Probably a lot of them just shepherds, really, as they were at the time. One or two of them are, I think that, that's Charles McEwen. Yes, that's that's wonderful. One of our rep company. Whoopsie daisy. There's, there's some of the people waiting to be in a comedy film. You wouldn't think so, would you? There's the tower, which Graham Chapman jumped off. And just, it's like filming generally is, is waiting. It's like, was it Einstein who said life is 96% waiting? Well, filming is about 98%. There's Terry. I'm telling you what to do. Okay. We want you to laugh and point and fall over and make fun of uh, Pontius Pilate. In a minute. Just getting the focus right. Oh, yes, Terry says we need a few more people on the ramparts. There's the man, a Tunisian first director. Lots He's of shirtless dudes in shorts in this, in this shoot, but such on was Terry's the style. Terry's behalf. Oh, there we are. There's Andrew McLaughlin, Bernard McKenna, some of our guys. So they've got to close up some of our guys. There's Terry Baylor, I think. Yeah. And there's Sue Jones Davis, Sue Jones Davis, Brian's girlfriend, who later became mayor of Aberystwyth and overturned a ban on showing Life of Brian in Aberystwyth. There's Graham, biggest dickers in his biggest dickers outfit. <laughs> John with his um, studious look. It's wild that they did this on location. They could have done this at a set and would have been great. Yeah, but like... <laughs> <laughs> going to Tunisia for this is amazing. I yeah. say this is about, it's, it's over a thousand years old, this uh, Rebat, the old castle, the old fort. And all the things that we put in there, we built ourselves, all these columns, obviously, and the statues are obvious. But um, even when we did the drawing on the wall, we had to sort of cover the wall with a base. Obviously, we couldn't um, defile this building. Oh, there they are. They've got it now. They're all clapping and cheery. Yes, he wanks higher than any in womb. Uh, oh, yes, we've done this. Not again. No, please. But I guess you're not going to, you know, you wouldn't be able to have it look like how it did if you were doing it in England. <laughs> like, there's no way. <laughs> You'd have to do yeah, the I mean, doctor there's not, enough, there's not enough quarries to do this. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, you just have to yeah. find find the, the one quarry that they use for every Doctor Who episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was wondering that. I know I don't know a lot about filmmaking, so I was wondering: is it more cost effective to go to Tunisia than it is just to build the sets, or what? I mean, what is it? That's what George Lucas did for Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, you know, and they use the same sets and uh, a lot of costumes that were actually used before. Mm -hmm. uh, but but uh, it was uh, the greatest story ever told was uh, filmed a few years earlier there. So, so mm. there was a lot that they reused, uh, you know, that's uh, like literally just like costumes recycled and whatnot. Yeah, yeah I guess that's right. that's a good point. If you are, is there stuff already kind of there? Then like, yeah. Yeah. we've already got all the Jesus stuff here. Just, just yeah. go film. Yeah, exactly. I, I think uh, Kubrick shot uh, Clockwork Orange in England, obviously, and had kind of some of those quarry type of thing. Like he had, he had multiple movies that he shot that had like kind of. Uh, kind of cool quarry like scene so i think you probably could do it in england he had like he had it down mm -hmm. the street from his house or something but i think it's, it, it works way better you know going to tunisia they also just probably want to have the adventure of like let's go to let's go shoot a movie in tunisia screw it yeah <laughs> you know i mean that sounds cool yeah we've got that george harrison money let's go yeah yeah exactly <laughs> exactly that's crazy that he uh george harrison gave them the million dollars he's like well i, I want to watch like i want to know yeah. you guys yeah i want to see what you're up to yeah, and it, he wasn't. I guess he became friends with them, but he wasn't friends with them at the time. So it's just like <laughs> it's a good way to get yeah. friendly with someone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah hey, absolutely. By the way, now taking applications. <laughs> <laughs> well, he he was like he was like a big fan of Monty Python. Obviously, they were fans of the Beatles, yeah. and uh, like so he was like, "Yeah, I want to I want to get in on this." And they're like, "Well, we need like a million and a half dollars or something to film this movie." And he's like, "Well, I want to know what the next Monty Python movie is going to be." So I'll. Yeah. I'll throw you guys the money to do yeah i'm sure he I'll got stake paid you. back like uh you know yeah i mean he yeah. he made money off of all the uh the python movies because he also did uh he he produced time bandits and a bunch of other stuff it's like mm -hmm. him and nesmith uh it's weird that that well you know. he, so he started he, he started his film company uh for this like yeah um well, he well a, Holy Grail yeah. was like Zeppelin, Floyd, and Jethro Tull, if I remember correctly. That they 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 oh, printed the right? money. Yeah, it's uh, granted not nearly so much, but like yeah, it no, was it's not uh, like Beatle money. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I think like you know, I, I don't remember. I, I want to say it's like twenty, thirty thousand pounds each for each band, right? Which is mm -hmm. obviously still big money, but not not Beatles yeah. money. Yeah, and I mean, if Justin Timberlake wants to produce us, you know, well, we're open to it. <laughs> sure, sounds great. Sounds good. So George Harrison uh, opened up um, Handmade Films as his company with his like lawyer or whatever, like his manager, his business manager, and they opened it up in 1978 for this and ended up uh, using it to produce 25 movies or something, including like, uh, what is it, Desperately Seeking Susan? Right? There's like a there's like a That's lot on right. here. Yeah. And also, he did the live at the Hollywood Bowl with uh, Monty Python. Which is great. Um, that yeah. that sketch, uh, like, like I did not. I remember for years not getting the joke about like, uh, why is American beer like having sex in a canoe? Yeah. And uh, then I go to Canada and I have a Canadian beer and I'm like, holy shit, it's fucking close to water. I yeah. get it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, everyone blasted right past it. Desperately Seeking Susan is the Madonna movie, by the way, and that was a huge deal at the time. It's not a good film, but like George Harrison took a, a vested interest in. Um, in Madonna and, and thought that she should be in a movie basically. And that, that's how, that's, that's how that came to pass. So he, so they, I guess they sold it in 1994, <laughs> the, the company and ended mm -hmm. up, uh, they produced lock stock and two smoking barrels. Oh, no kidding. So, oh, guy, yeah. so Guy Ritchie's. Yeah. So you could be like, what's the tie between Jethro Tell and Guy Ritchie? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it's Monty Python, strangely enough. <laughs> I don't know. It's, 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 it's if you want to make your money back though, I feel like, I mean, maybe it's a maybe it's a toss up, but like I feel like getting into filmmaking. If you're someone that has that much money, you know what I mean. Like, well, I mean, that's what the mafia like a... used to do to to launder their money was to make really great action films from the and 80s. the dentist for Cronenberg. Remember? Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah. And they uh and they, and they also made uh 
the fucking one in um Cleaver in, in the Sopranos. Oh yeah, yeah. I must be loyal to my capo. Yeah. <laughs> one must always remember it's not meant to be taken literally. It's not just the cheese makers, any maker of dairy product in general. <laughs> Wife of Brian taught me so much and I'm grateful. <laughs> I, I love that par scene of the uh that's such a that's such a great scene where there's the people in the back that can't hear it that well. And then like, you know, they get him, stop, you stop talking. And then like, it just kind of gradually escalates. And then, then various things keep getting like, oh, I think he said this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's like, no, it's that was, it's not. Blessed are the Greek. What did he say? Which yeah. Greek? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. And it's, and it's a perfect analogy for like how people react with really, they're like halfway paying attention, but they're like more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like yeah. mad at each other for like I yeah. can't hear it because of you, and then like then he starts, um, and then uh, Terry starts bagging on him for <laughs> calling him big nose and stuff. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> it just but escalates and escalates. I I also love uh like you know when they finally say like blessed are the meek. I love that the fucking uh the guys get it from the Judean people front or whatever like they get to take it away and be like yeah well Jesus is only listening to all people that you know they follow the status yeah. quo. What, what Jesus I, fails to appreciate is the meek who are the problem. Yeah, But like yeah, like Mrs. Big Nose is like, uh, um, I'm glad they're getting something. They have a hell of a time. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's nice for them. Like subtle little things, right? Which yeah. is like, oh man, that, that's that's so great. <laughs> yeah. I, I what, what I also love about the 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 any maker of dairy products thing is like that's a dig on on just the centuries or the millennia of like theology and like how they can work out convoluted ways to make sense of anything um yeah. it's just it just no matter how absurd it is on its face will work out a way to to give a coherent account of what's going on there right. Up to and including changing the actual text of the Bible, like King James. Exactly. I think what Jesus meant to say was. Wait, <laughs> uh, good. That's what Jesus meant to say <laughs> with that voice. Exactly. Exactly. Um, no, I. I also. I think it's really funny when uh, Brian starts trying to do the Jesus preaching later on when he's trying to distract. Mm -hmm. From the guards and he's like and he's like blessed be the ox because uh, there's one on like every like every yeah. building has one like they have their local yeah. street prophet right <laughs> yeah so he, he's like he's like blessed for the ox for it is you know something so, like he, he has a really weird one and everyone's just like huh and then he tries yeah. to do the, uh, he tries to tell the story and he's like there were two well songs. what were their names he's making it up as he goes <laughs> throughout, throughout the throughout the new testament right jesus is doing those like uh those allegories where he's like, yeah there were two sons yeah. and like you know he has all these different stories yeah. that you know none of them are meant to be taken literally because yeah. if they were taken literally they wouldn't yeah. have any lessons for today's modern life or whatever but it's like uh so when he tries to do that everyone's like all right like are you just making this up yeah so, yeah <laughs> Presumably, so is Jesus on the on the fly. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Which right? Does that happen birds. to you in, in class? What whenever you're teaching, like uh, one of your students will just be like, you know, you're like so these two people are sitting on the bridge and there's a trolley car. Like, what are their names? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not quite that. But I mean, you always get the ones who are like, wait, wait, this could never happen in real life. Like, yeah, that's not the point. The point is just <laughs> pretend, think through the implications. You can call those uh, the shoot the hostage students. Yeah, AKA yeah. from speed. Shoot the hostage. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, I love Brian's mom. <laughs> like yeah. just in general. Yeah, she's she's fantastic. The, yeah, the, uh, uh, the director's commentary. It was uh -huh, great because yeah. he's just like, I do believe that's perhaps the greatest voice ever set to film. There's <laughs> <laughs> no messiah in here. There's a mess, all right, but no messiah. <laughs> now go away. I, I like love annoyed um... by like his acolytes. 
<laughs> I, I, I also love just like so many, so many lines that she just throws away. Like one of them is like uh, when he's on the crucifix and she's like, uh, oh, you know, you're just doing this to your mother. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Get crucified. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and also when she's when she's walking in and she's like, uh, sex, sex, sex. That's all you talk about. It's <laughs> not about that at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and she comes comes in hot too with like the three wise men come in though. We were led by a star. Led by a bottle, more like. <laughs> it's just, it's like just busting chops immediately. Like uh, I, I love also the the myrrh. And he's like, it's a bomb. Isn't that some kind of big ass? She's trying to say a bull. Like I think she. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure what she thinks it was. Yeah. It's like don't don't, don't worry about the mirror next time. I, yeah. I also yeah. I remember being a kid though and uh, wondering like I was like what the fuck is mirror? Like, I mean like like we know Golden no, Frankenstein. Yeah. Yeah. I, st I still don't know and like. <laughs> Nobody knows. Nobody yeah. knows. <laughs> <laughs> well and and also that's that's another thing that if you haven't grown up around it doesn't make it any less like off-putting where it's like what myrrh the sam hill's myrrh all right oh here, nobody here, knows here, okay here's my answer that i i finally get to know what i wanted to know did you ask jeeves what myrrh was what is myrrh jeeves? it's a gum resin extracted from a number of small thorny tree species which uh -huh. sounds like a monty python bit the <laughs> resin has been used throughout history as a perfume <laughs> incense and medicine all right there you go. Okay. Her, everybody. All right. Lightly killed to do fiction from Iraq. <laughs> I guess frankincense is another is another uh, incense. So they, they, they just gave Jesus shit that smelled good, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, like, up like, well, you ever smell the baby? Those those things stink. I had two of them. Yeah, but that's, that's maybe. Did you, did you ever smell any anyone around that age? I'm sure they all stunk. It probably just was a very odiferous. That was probably a very valuable experience. He's also in a manger, though. He's in a manger that they've like rented out as a fucking room for like a delivery room. So like yeah. that, there's things in that manger. I'm sure that smell worse than the baby does. I, I think I think everything in general kind of smelled around that time. That's I mean, yeah. people, people use their hand to to wipe. You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> yeah, probably didn't smell. Um, and that's why and that's why you need that myrrh. And that's why myrrh is yeah. a, it's a commodity, right? They're like. Exactly. So, so do you know what Brian's make, make mother's name was in the script? No. It, it's what? the Virgin Mandy. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. That's right. great. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of my favorite bits, too, is when in the crowd when he's like, are you a virgin? What? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, if it's not too personal. It's yeah. very personal. <laughs> How much more personal can you get? <laughs> Well, and so I was, I was watching an interview that John Cleese did, and he was talking about how, like, it was, it was just something that I've thought about, like, a lot. So it was kind of crazy to hear somebody, like, uh, someone else elaborate it. Like, uh, like, just the next day after Jesus is born, right? And it's like, well, Joseph didn't sleep with Mary. Like, it's a, it's a the immaculate conception or whatever in the Bible. And it's like, he goes down to the pub or he's hanging out with his friends or whatever. And it's like, my, you know, she, she had a kid, but it's not like your kid. You haven't slept with her. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. She's still a virgin, and it's like, like she definitely cheated. And it's like, what? Like my thought has always been like, what if Christianity is just it's a lie that fucking uh, Mary told Joseph to be like, I didn't, I didn't cheat on you. It was, it was God. And so it's just, it's just gone on for like a thousand years. You know, the crazy thing is, is I remember one Christmas uh, we were we were like studying this, and somebody was asking questions about like, like I'm, I'm like, uh, and uh, you know. 
maybe middle school, but at least elementary school, like fifth grade. Um, uh, and I remember distinctly that this person was just like, well, was she a virgin after she gave birth? And the person's like, yeah, they had sex right there in the major. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I hope my, I hope my guy, you know, Joseph got some after that. You know what I mean? Well, I'm gonna know, taking, yeah. care of, taking care of the kid. Like <laughs> you never really hear much about them after that. I feel like. People are talking about them more and more. <laughs> uh, line, he says well, the birds are scrounging when he's talking yeah. about that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Breath of the, breath of yeah. The bird. Think about the birds. Do they have jobs? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. The whole like the bird discourse is. Uh, it's great. You know, you know, kind of presents uh, predates today where we have an interesting bird uh, discourse about, you know, that's birds true. Not being real. Yeah, that's true. Because yeah. birds are fake. <laughs> I also I like uh, I like it. He's like he's like think about it with you as an example. He's like me, and he's like yes, you, and he's like all of you. And he's like he's like oh, thank you. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, which which actually kind of predates like everyone, you know, like this all voices being elevated like the same volume kind of like mindset, mm. right? I mean, everyone feels that way now. It's like no, it has nothing to do with you. They weren't thinking about you at all. Like that's mm. just like. You you think it is because you're you're having your importance elevated, your opinion elevated, uh, because it profits these these companies. Thank yeah, well, you. I mean, what what we're like <laughs> what we're like street corner preachers though, if not the people that were best at projecting their you know sure. I mean, their, their their voice and their ideas out there, and it's make, like make you think it's about them, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely yeah. true. Also, uh, that the haggling the haggling is a is is a really funny part of this movie. Oh yeah, it's great. The, where he's fucking he's just trying to get the beard so he can disguise himself yeah and, and, yeah. and like and like yeah it's like no 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 you have you have to haggle like what <laughs> and then he and he like it's just, you, you see them getting closer and closer as he just keeps like playing it out yeah it's like like then he goes like he gives him the gourd and it's just like um you know keep, keep, it's 16 in the, uh in the, the gourd and he's like okay yeah keep the change uh yeah. you know he's like what yeah, you know, um, sixteen for the beard. Oh, it's worth at least more. ten. You know, he later gives somebody else the gourd, and he's yeah. like, oh, "Just take the gourd." And the guy's like, "What's wrong with it?" Because <laughs> <laughs> he won't haggle. But yeah. I mean, that is that is like a, a big part of that like Middle Eastern, uh, like you know, oh, culture at the time, right? Yeah. Like, ha- like everybody goes to the bazaar. They're trying to haggle through everything. You don't have enough money, and everyone's haggling this and that. But it's, it's it's pretty funny when it's like, you know, like it's like here, just take the money. Like I I don't have time for this. And it's because you go to the bazaar, you have to spend the day there. I feel like you know what I mean. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. and a lot and a lot of people do like the uh, to they enjoy that as an activity. I am not one of those people, by the way. I, I freaking no. hate haggling. Mm-hmm. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Give me yeah, the price, I, and I will pay the price, or I won't. That is the end of it. I, I did actually haggle in New York City with a uh, forest uh, whenever we went on our uh, ride around Central Park. Um, that was that was not that was not uh, that was not worth the hundred dollars that you paid for around New York. <laughs> the guy was nice though. Yeah, he was. He was. Uh, I, 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 I like two references. I probably could have talked him down more, but you know, whatever. The blast. I'm just gonna blast right past it. The blasphemy scene about like how they're like gonna gonna you know take the stones and, and get got. Oh uh, yeah, the, the guy that like said the blaspheming word. It's one of the best like send ups of that particular thing I think I've ever seen. Did you know that was the scene that got their first complaint about the movie? Really? Um, but it's really? not for what you think. It's because uh, this Jewish group in New York City thought that they were making fun of the prayer shawl. 
Oh. <laughs> wow, that's what they were focusing on, huh? All right. Uh, it was John Cleese's <laughs> outfit, yeah. That's like, amazing. Not not the fact that if you, like, you know, in those times, if you said what was thought to literally be the, the name of God, that you would be stoned, they didn't think that that was, that was, that's no, fine. That was that's, fine. That's, that's, fine. A, that's <laughs> a historical record. We all know that. But, but it's, okay. the, it's the, you know, the prayer shawl that uh, uh, John Cleese is wearing, okay. was, uh, mm-hmm. you know, being mocked. And, and then he keeps, and yeah, John Cleese keeps saying it by accident, and then they end up, you know, they end up getting him. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just very, very funny because, like, at one point, like the guy that's actually there to, to it's just, it's sort of like, I, like he gets in and out. Like, there's a lot of like, uh, it's not even gallows humor because there's no actual gallows, but like it's kind of repeated a little bit with like the the cross thing where like you know the the one. Uh, the one character is just like, oh, no, I'm, I'm supposed to be released and sent to my own island. Oh, just kidding. I'm yeah. just messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. The Eric Idle character. It's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then so later when he's being released, like, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not Brian. I'm not Brian. Like, yeah. There, there was there was so many like executions back then, right? Like the the crucifixions were just like a regular occurrence. Like people were getting thrown into the gladiator ring to just you know yeah. fight to the death, and if if you survived for long enough, you could get released. Like there's just so much like the entertainment was watching people die for the most part. Like what else do you really have to do? I, and it, I will say that 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 so and that scene is is homaged as well as sort of tagged for a different kind of movie an idiocracy where he's like oh no i'm, I'm gonna be released and they're like oh uh, wrong line yeah. that's over there <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> which which i think which i thought was very funny when i first saw it. i was like oh that's from life of ryan that's really mm-hmm. hilarious that like no yeah. but it works in this case yeah, yeah. absolutely I really like the uh, the alien the alien just drawing them off, right? Like, yeah, this, this, yeah. This like he jumps funny. from the top of this building. You're like, well, how's he gonna get out of this one? It's like, oh, yeah. just some aliens fly down, and and it's like they don't they don't know like biting out. They don't know either, and that's why the aliens come down. It's such like a it's yeah. Like, oh yeah, like, like that makes sense. Like I don't know. <laughs> so so when um, something absurd happened, the ship crashed. They had to uh, put that black on the walls there, and they, they couldn't keep the black there. And so they, they came up with something to um, uh, make it look like, you know, it was like they singed the walls and uh, they couldn't get it off afterwards. And so mm. in the dead of night, one of them mm. snuck in and repainted all the walls. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, and, and hoped nobody noticed. <laughs> That's great. Wow. Huh. All right. <laughs> There's a, a lot, lot of banal minutia to, <laughs> to absorb around <laughs> this film. Uh, I I think that it's it's interesting to me. Well, uh, th- there's also like multiple. There's more examples than I remember uh, for the like the meeting of the um, you know uh, people's front of Judea, not the Judean people's front. Like like how how like when they go into for the raid, like when they hide, like one of one of their reaction is just to throw a blanket over themselves. And it's and then the soldiers like run in and like run out and it's sort of like but it's not even like meant to like show that they're like doing a good job of hiding. Uh, but I, but yeah. like I had forgotten about like those scenes. Like I remember like the the initial like you know the meeting, which is just like doubly hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like and I remember very much that they you know they, they we have to take immediate action. Let's have a meeting. You know, like I remember all that stuff, but I I forgot some of some of that and also the fact that like. Um, I totally forgotten about the Suicide Squad too. Oh yeah, the Suicide Squad. The Judean Ju- 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 People's Front Suicide Squad. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I mean, it's crazy to like find out like that. There's a whole, you know, like a whole sequence with all of that, 
And then they're just like, yeah, we can still have the Suicide Squad show up in the last second. Like, yeah. we can keep that part in there. Like, it, yeah, yeah, that's fine. yeah. It, it definitely felt feels like that's the culmination of something that was cut out of the film. It's like, yeah. who, who are these? Which, people? which, it's a honestly, it's a great music number in there too. But, but like the best part is like, yeah, we can kill ourselves in uh, twenty seconds flat, and they all yeah. kill each other. Uh, you know, kill themselves. Yeah. And then like one of them farts, and he's like, wait a second, you're not dead. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and he's just like. Well, no, we just thought we were practicing. Well, what about all the blood? How'd that happen? Oh, it was a cheap splatter. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, whenever they sing the line during, uh, you know, I was looking at the bright side of, light, uh, of life at the end of the uh, movie. It's like, wait, huh. wait, did they actually do the cheap splatter thing again? You know, like, yeah. like yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a good callback to that previous mm-hmm. theme. But, like, you know, if you don't have that context, then it's still yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it just seems even more absurd, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and, and like, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I guess we should address the fact that, like, you know, the whole, um, <laughs> he wants to be a woman and then is, like, kind of, like, mocked for it. But it's sort of, like, I remember that being, like, I was, like, kind of gearing up for, like, oh, this is going to be rough. And I was, like, this actually isn't that bad. It's, like, <laughs> it's, it's sort of, yeah. like, not as different as it would be in an actual conversation today when uh, when Stan wants to be Loretta, right, is the... Mm-hmm. And like you know, obviously, um, was it uh, is Reg is the name of the character, right? Is the is the, yeah. the Dunkley's character is like kind of being like you know like whatever, not exactly uh, thoughtful towards it. Uh, it's being John Cleese, like the actual. It's, John it's literally John Cleese today. Like it's just yeah. not even a joke. It's just that that's what he still says. Well, <laughs> we got we got an hour and five minutes in before mentioning it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was yeah, I was waiting well, for. It. But yeah, both it has me to be and there. Terry Gilliam have been like, "Oh, you couldn't make this today," and it's like, "I, I think you could." There's so many fucking trans jokes and yeah, well, like, yeah. yeah. They, I mean, come on, it, somebody, yeah. someone, Dave, someone Dave Chappelle someone... is still doing these bits. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. it's you can still do it. Everything, um, everything Dave Chappelle does yeah. is worse than that. Like, yeah, right, like it doesn't, yeah. I, you know, I guarantee you, know, you that that movie um, Jingle Smells is going to have worse jokes oh than this. <laughs> well it's just like i don't know like what, what are people gonna say like he like well he doesn't have a womb and it's like mm-hmm. yeah at least they accept the pronouns of it right like they accept that yeah has, well that's that's what i'm saying is, is like you, you get that kind of ugly yeah. scene and it's like all right well but then but then they're you know start calling him loretta and yeah so, uh, they, 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 yeah they, they're like okay this is you're loretta now that's yeah. fine yeah so i also i also love uh lamer he's like he's like you know dumb feminist or whatever and then loretta looks at him and he's like well no not you sorry right 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 no exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. It, that's the you're one of the good ones of uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of reaction yeah, no, no, you're one of the good ones yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, I mean, there, there's there's so much to absorb here, and it's funny because uh, and and we've we haven't really invoked Holy Grail, which I think if if Holy Grail had not come first, I think Life of Brian would be would be like more noted in the comedy pantheon of great movies because mm-hmm. Holy Grail is uh, full disclosure, it's my favorite Monty Python movie, and I think it's one of the best comedies of all time. Yeah, uh, but Life of Brian's really good, and like it's a shame that it gets kind of like you know. Uh, there's like a shine theory with it or anything where people like uh d- don't appreciate it on its own merits because it's less madcap than holy grail and i think that almost yeah uh, it's, it's, it's a better it's more... film like like it's a film as opposed it's to a be- holy grail. it's a better film exactly. it's a, holy grail is a great series of bits right yeah. exactly exactly <laughs> yeah yeah no i i think i like 
Life of Brian better. It's just, it's, I mean, I love, I love Holy Grail. Holy Grail is fantastic, but yeah. Life of Brian is, I don't know. It's more interesting. <laughs> it does, it's more cohesive. And, and again, that last scene, that song, the, them singing on the crucifixes, like it just, that's the best ending to almost any movie I can think of. It's just, it's just fantastic. It's such yeah. a beautiful song. It's such a poignant scene while also being hilarious. I just, I love it. I'm I'm kind of fascinated by the 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 writing process of it too, whereas yeah. like uh, Holy Grail, they just kind of went off and did their own thing, and then they're just doing like they're doing what they yeah. do in the show, which is just like, hey, we got this crazy thing, great, I'll do this, great, I'll do this, yeah. okay, there it goes, let's film it, yeah. you know. And then how, how are we gonna? Yeah, how are we gonna end it? Uh, uh, I don't know. Well, <laughs> yes. Here comes the cops, they'll arrest you. Uh, yeah. King <laughs> of the Britain. <laughs> Um, yeah, I like, but like, you know, I, I like that this is kind of more cohesive. Like, I like, I like the juxtaposition of this movie, which you know is a cohesive movie, even if he's kind of meeting madcap characters all the yeah. time throughout it, right? Versus something like Holy Grail, where it's like it's it's a series of sketch like sketches, right? Like it's it really, and then just kind of joined together, which is kind of how Arthurian uh, tales are written, though. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah it's like, totally, it works very yeah, yeah it works really well for that, absolutely. And, and there's I mean, certain things even, like even like even when you watch The Green Knight or something like that, right? Like the, it's yeah. still kind of done as like these kind of side quests or whatever that you're yeah or fan fictions Uh, like i mean that's that's really what the if you if you um what one of my favorite things to do is actually watch videos on um the the history of the bible from like like actual like historians you know like uh, Mm -hmm. archaeologists and that kind of stuff uh talk about that kind of thing and uh, like the evolution of how the uh, the books of the Bible came together and the books that got left mm-hmm. out and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of it's just fan fiction. It's like, hey, this obscure character that's over here in this one book. Um, why don't we write a whole series of books about him? How he well, became. Like, how, many, how many books really are there at that point? I mean, there's like uh, some there's, old, there's like so old poetry. No, like there's, there's like some old like I'm talking about like you know uh, how many books in the world? The, oh yeah. Well, yeah. just just like oh, you know, we don't know because the Library of Alexandria like, burned down. But you know. yeah, yeah, true. There's also like you know, I mean, I guess there's like Chaucer and stuff like that. But like, there's like a lot of poetry. There's like the Bible, and you know, what I mean? like there's there's like a, a a little pantheon, but it's not like we have today where it's like everybody gets kind of interested in their own little corners. But that, that's how it was back then with writing some of these books. Like like there are these weird books of the Bible about like. Uh, how Jesus used to like to pull practical jokes on people. Mm. I think that's on True TV, isn't it? It's like, watch this. I'm going to turn all your blood into wine. <laughs> I want. I, why is that out of oh, the Bible? That over. would be amazing. Jesus would be so much more relatable if we could if we could hear about his practical. Who's joke. a prankster? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, like, Jesus goes away at age twelve. You got crested. He, he goes away at age twelve, but he comes back at thirty, and there's no real like. He's not like, hey, oh, he I've went, been, he I went mean, to he... India. <laughs> I guess he, yeah, it makes sense where yeah. he had maybe an arrested development sense of humor, right? Mm-hmm. The the Mormons are like, oh, he came to America and like walked around yeah. America. <laughs> That's right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Every like all these all these like sects of Christianity have their own ideas about what Jesus was doing in his lost years in the wilderness. I think jerking off a lot, probably mostly, but I'm, I'm gonna go with he was just pulling pranks. He was just yeah, just no, he fun. he uh he actually uh, he, murdered somebody he with his powers and then brought him back to life. Yeah. <laughs> like that that uh, book of the Bible was left out because it was something about the tonality, like it didn't fit the rest of the tone of the book. <laughs> but that's know. literally what the what the church said whenever they did the uh, Council of Nicaea. Um, yeah, the vibe was off. I believe it was exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the yeah so said the Pope. So saith the Pope. I think they found they found something like like for, like forty like books of the Bible. Like they've, I mean, sure. I, like most of them are like most of them are just like, eh, this is not this is not Jesus's yeah. best work. Let's say that. 
Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's like, like when like Stephen a, King took a hiatus and then came back, and some of them, it's like, ah, maybe you should have stayed on hiatus, man. Like, <laughs> it's like, not that great. Blessed, blessed are the you know the the five for five deals at Wendy's. Like uh, yeah. you know, well, you come in really there, specific. Yeah, but, there's, yeah. there's product placement. That's weird. <laughs> like, uh, I maybe this one can cut. Like, <laughs> I, I, I think we have to address the fact that like, look, there's a whole scene in here of men pretending to be women pretending to be men. Which I think is deeply hilarious, but uh, yeah. uh, also like <laughs> tastes have changed, and, and and the appetite for that is no longer as uh, as um, prevalent. I mean, if it ever was, Seed has brown face, so like you know, it, it does, yeah. which is which is which is harsh. But I, I do think that that is you know what I going to say for that. But the whole like it's the it's you can't be a woman to go to this you know uh, public execution. So dress up as a man, but it's like, yeah, a man dressed up like a woman, dressed up like a man, doing but, but a I woman's mean, voice. It's, it's like the whole reason why they dressed up as women in the first place is because they didn't have that. They didn't have any women, women cast members, exactly. Yeah, except for Carol <laughs> Cleveland, who, who occasionally, like, if they really needed a woman, yeah, like, like mm -hmm. uh, they just thought it was funnier whenever they did the women parts. Yeah, and um, and, and, and they're not wrong. I mean, you know, it's yeah, like yeah, it's, no, no. If Carol Cleveland doing that, it's just like she's funny, but like not that funny. Not, yeah, not, yeah, mm -hmm. not funny as you know. The, the cast and drag funny so like I'm sorry you know but women just aren't funny and so to see to see them do that it's like of course they're going to do that because that's that's just monty python dressing up as women again like that's yeah. I, I, really, I really like i really like uh all of terry jones's like women character like he, he's the funniest he's one he's the he's uh, the best he's, at, yeah he's so good at it yeah, yeah. it's just hilarious I was watching uh, every sperm is sacred. The fucking sketch from Oh my god, uh, from Light of Life. <laughs> yeah, and he, yeah. It, so he's in that one too, and he's like yeah. a, an old he because he has a matronly face. I think that's what it yeah. is. Like no matter what he's in, because it's like round. Yeah, it works really well. Yeah. If a sperm is wasted, God gets quite irate. <laughs> that's just that, that, that sketch was very funny when I was a kid, and now it's just like U.S. policy and like uh, yeah, well. Yeah. Like every yeah. every sperm, this is the every sperm is sacred bill. And it's like, God damn it. <laughs> Didn't they know that was humor? You know, this is a joke. Yeah. That's a problem with religious <laughs> satire. Sometimes it becomes true and it's not funny anymore. Yeah. Um <laughs> I like the, uh, getting getting back to to this film. I, I like that the Brian's like an uh, like an unwilling also ran of Jesus. Like and that's sort of like which is so funny to think that because I think people heard, you know, just hear Monty Python, especially then. They were the, they, you got to remember, there was no like Mr. Show. There was no like even Saturday Night Live mm -hmm. at this point, right? So like, it was like, oh, they're coming out, they're coming for our religion. You know, they're they're gonna make fun yeah. of it. And it's like, well, yeah, but they're not specifically making fun of Jesus. They're making fun of like the followers yeah, of the religion and, yeah, and how it's did, misinterpreted. Did you all get to watch that debate that uh, that they had? I have, I have a, I have like a clip of, uh, yeah, I have a clip that I pulled of it. Um. We we can do that later on though, because I, like I want to keep talking about the movie before I get to like the the, the debate part of sure yeah yeah I the the interesting thing to me though is that they said that like um they originally were going to do something about Jesus but Jesus isn't funny like the the lessons the yeah lessons, like, <laughs> well, I mean, just, like, it's, it's just good yeah. advice yeah it's like no yeah. it's just like nice way to like, live yeah he he seems <laughs> like, like a respectable guy the the jokes yeah. would be pretty shallow you couldn't do that much so let's yeah. no I mean you know like killing somebody and bring them back to life is only funny when you're eight. Yeah. 
so they were like they're like yeah we can't really like being sacrilegious is not as funny as uh making fun of the people that follow their religions like blindly like yeah. with blind obedience yeah. to it, which is the same thing with the the political uh people's front of judea like it really is just a, a like a satire of people that don't think for themselves and like the the bureaucracy of it on the political side and like the fucking just you know just listening to whatever the church says and kind of taking your own telephone version of it on the religious side. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the you're all individuals. We're all different. I'm not, you know. I'm not. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> just the it's one the guy in the back. The, uh, I, I love I love when he says, um <laughs> there's the one guy in the room and he's like, We would all die to fight the Roman Empire. And the one guy says, not I wouldn't Yeah, I wouldn't. Live the Johns Lee's character like uh Reg, like he he decides to like stay back. So they all have to go into the tunnel, and he's like, "Oh, my back!" Like, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, he, yeah, yeah. Solidarity. It's well, a solidarity. I forgot he says that. Because yeah. <laughs> he actually plays uh, Pontius Pilate's wife uh, in the cutscene, which does not work. Mm -hmm. Like, if you watch it, you're just like, "Yeah, this isn't working at all." Um, mm -hmm. The fake boobs were hilarious, but that—that's about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, there, there's a picture of it in the book, and it looks hilarious. I'm like, "Oh, why did they cut this?" But yeah, I'm no, no. If you see it, like, like uh, John Cleese is acting terribly in the scene. Um, mm -hmm. Like, like, like uh, they don't really have much like reaction time. You're like, it's confusing what happens in it. Um, He's not very good at John Cleese is the one that's not very good at playing a woman. Like. Well, the only one, the ones that, that work with John Cleese playing a woman is where it's very clear that it doesn't matter if he looks like a woman at all. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. sort of like, and that's, I think, where they get a lot of heat for is this supportive versus transphobic or whatnot comes from, because it's just like, it just doesn't work even a little bit with him. And so that's, mm -hmm. so then it's usually played off in the fact that, well, that's very clearly like a dude dressed up like a, like a lady, you know, and then like mm -hmm. that's, and, and. But it's just it's just how he looks. I mean, it's not anything, you know, like it's just he doesn't he doesn't have that right face. But I will say this, that this is a great uh, everybody shines in this. But John Cleese is very good in this. And yeah. no matter what stupid stuff he's saying on Twitter, which I don't look at, uh, it doesn't erase the fact that he's very, very funny in this. And honestly, probably like one of the MVPs. Yes. Mm hmm. Now, granted, this is a long freaking time ago. <laughs> yeah. I always, peace I and love, peace out. and love. What has he done lately? <laughs> yeah, John Cleese can't uh, make a movie like this anymore. Yeah. No. I liked, I liked the, the sketch where he plays Hitler, but he's not really Hitler. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, he's, yeah. Like, he's like the modern version of Hitler or whatever that's like running for British Council. <laughs> <laughs> but I think one of the things that made Monty Python so interesting, and this is not like some grand epiphany or anything it has been uh, talked about over the years, is the fact that it was an ensemble with everyone kind of that had different skills and different – uh, mm -hmm. styles similarish styles of comedy in a lot of cases but like it was like it was an interconnected mesh that they filled in each other's gaps so to speak which is which why it's aggressive there's, parts. there's a, like a dozen shows that they were all part of first where it's like oh two of them were on it or one mm -hmm. of them was a cast member and the other ones were writers and it's like that you could go through an entire list where it's yeah. like you know they were all like one or two of them would be on the show and then they finally found their writing partners which you know it was uh chapman and cleese and it was michael palin and uh terry jones were like the you know and then eric idol i guess was a genius something he wrote on his own yeah uh, uh, shout out john cleese is still okay in a fish called wanda definitely fish called wanda is great i actually watched yes, that yeah. again a year and a half ago i was like this is still pretty awesome it's, it's <laughs> a fantastic I have it on VHS yeah. upstairs. <laughs> nice. Uh, but but again, as much as there were like you know, whatever little splinter cells of Monty Python that like would work together and stuff later on, like there was something about 
them all being at the top of their game uh, comedically, but also again filling in the, the the blank spots for each other, like and mm. knowing intuitively how to do that in a way that we kind of take for granted now. But there was no precedent for this at all. I mean, I know this isn't about like Monty Python in general, but like if you look at like the other like comedy troops that were around at the time, it's sad and and like kind of a bummer frankly yeah. And, yeah. and so like anything you know if you're coming in from a perspective of you know like anything like kids in the hall or mm -hmm. like anything like mr show or um you know i can't even think of any modern examples but like all of that there's a direct line back to it just in like yeah, that absolutely. you first of all you can do it and it can be wildly successful and culturally important yeah uh, but, also, but also and again like just like with some bands where it's like, I almost wish that band didn't exist because their imitator bands are so horrible. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of bad sketch comedy out there. In fact, yeah, by, as an aggregate average, probably most of it's bad, <laughs> frankly. Mm. But you can't look at it that way. You have to look at the fact that, that, that they were um, finally honing an art form, really. Yeah. And that at the time, television, remember, this is years, <laughs> decades before prestige television. Uh, and movies were considered a higher form of art so the fact mm -hmm. that like they not only brought it in as a movie first with holy grail which is is you know very much like the shows a lot of bits a lot of jumping around a lot, mm -hmm. a lot of them now for something completely different that to have like a movie with like a strong narrative that isn't literally just gag every, gags every second like there's a lot of gags don't get me wrong mm -hmm. but like it's slow it slows down to tell this overall story which is sort of insightful and poignant in its way and obviously Absolutely. still socially relevant to a lot of yeah, our situation. Like, painfully so, yeah. Yeah. Because if you think about the time, like, you know, like, yeah, what do you have? Strange love? Okay, sure. But like, you know, that's that's Kubrick. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, Kubrick is not a known <laughs> as a jokester. Like he's telling like a deep satire. But uh, I think it's it's notable. It's notable to me. And I think it's, it gets ignored in modern conversation because it's one of those things that think about the Beatles. Right, that like before the Beatles, the, the 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 band and songwriter weren't necessarily thought to be the same thing. You had like you know your Bob Dylan and whatnot, and that's a that's a troubadour, that's a, that's a different mindset. But the idea of like the band that like wrote all their own stuff, even the Stones when they started off, were like covering like blues standards and things along those lines. Yeah, and they changed what the idea of a band was completely. And the fact that like oh no, the band is like writing their own songs, and there's believe me, there's plenty of bands that shouldn't be doing that either. But like. It, 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 they changed the they changed the game literally, and in that same way, Python changed the game for for sketch comedy. Arguably, what passed for sketch comedy before Python? Uh, again, sad, <laughs> like not 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 very funny, not very interesting or yeah, clever. Best might have been Benny Hill. What you get with the whole thing is he's a perv. All right, yeah. <laughs> like that's the joke. Well, is that yeah. a joke? And he know. runs fast. He's chasing women around and there's yakety sacks. But it's not telling any greater like thing of like social import or whatnot. And no. with Monty Python, that begets yes. things like the young ones. It begets things, you know, like to a certain degree, starting out live, things along those lines, etc. Smack et cetera. the pony. Yeah. Yeah, and the, and yeah, and this is the, and this is like yeah. The, unlike Benny Hill, like this still holds up. Like I like I show this to my teenage nephews now. Still, like fucks. My, you know, Holy yeah. Grail. They they like this is hilarious. This is great. Show me more. Benny Hill has not held up. The, Arguably, yeah, I, it, it didn't hold I'm, up at the time. Yeah, I'm not going to show Benny Hill to my nephews. <laughs> hey, exactly. you want to so. see how ideas on uh, gender have changed? All right, here's some. <laughs> yeah. That song still slaps, though. No, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not. I'm definitely. 
I wish I wrote Yakety Sax. It's awesome. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, but that that, that speaks to the larger point because I, th- I again, there's a lot of historical revisionism, revisionism, especially um, in relation to comedy, because people look at things from a modern comedic sensibility, which has changed. It's changed a lot in the last ten years, and honestly, probably for the better, frankly, mm-hmm. because a lot, lot of uh, comedy was like you know, alleged comedy was just mean. No, you're just being mean, and then waiting for the laugh line. Right. And then like, okay, maybe there was a tag to it or whatnot. And again, it's funny for me to be talking about this. I'm a musician. Right. But like as, as, as a student of the creative arts in general, like it's, it's, but I mean, you're also a performer. So, so like there is, there are lessons that you can take from watching, uh, you know, comedy like this. To, to bring on to stage because you know it's a theatricality to it and and, and, re- and retroactively going back and saying it's invalid because it doesn't match your current sensibility is is uh no productive. i mean i'm a comic book artist i love john singer sergeant uh you know like like john singer sergeant doesn't do comics he's a painter like you know yeah. he's, right right exactly yeah i mean uh but you, david lynch is like painting with film right that's yeah that or ants <laughs> or ants as we established that pretty as a picture uh clip which i'm glad i found in the context of the show and not later. <laughs> but anyway whatever i'm getting down off my soapbox thanks for coming uh, my yeah no so there are there are lessons to <laughs> any art form can be you know taken uh lessons from to to be transplanted yeah. into any other art form is is a very valid point and uh i i co-sign it yeah mm. there we go co-signed <laughs> Uh, anything else? Should we go to letterbox one-liners? I'm down to go to letterbox one-liners. All right, all right. So, so, uh, cracks knuckles. Uh, letterbox, of course, is a social media site for film lovers to talk at with and to each other about the films mm-hmm. that they love, maybe the films that they didn't love, the films that they retroactively apply their comedic sensibility to when they were <laughs> finished before, well before their uh, their entire living and maybe even their parents' living. And, uh, of course, this is best expressed uh, succinctly. There's not just the Siskels and Eberts of the world. Everyone gets to have their say. Everyone gets to chime in. It's a bottom-up democracy. Everyone can be the, I'm not, of, of any particular situation, and that's what makes it wonderful. And, of course, the succinctness is very important for this bit. Which are the letterboxed one-liners for Life of Brian? Well, we're going to put them on stage here. We're going we're gonna to read them out and we're going to goof on them and agree with them. <laughs> <laughs> So glad in these trying times we can all unite against a common enemy, the Judean People's Front. <laughs> that really is like a Trotskyist Stalinist fucking split, though. Like it really, like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. It, it absolutely. <laughs> That's aged like the finest of fine wine, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. As a, as a member of the National Latin Honor Society, I must say the <laughs> Romans go home scene was real as shit. Oh God, I, mean, I got, forgot about gotta that make scene. Sure I want the. That those Jews like learn how to speak their Latin, you know what I mean? Like you're, it's you're 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 there to tutor them in the Latin. That Apparently, scene was John Cleese. John Cleese was actually a, a Latin teacher, and that is how he oh, ran God. his class. No kidding. Uh, <laughs> it is great. He's like con- trying to conjugate their verb, and like I mean, it's such a yeah, it's such a. And and then like his punishment, of course, is to you know write it times. The gourd. We must worship the gourd. Very wise, because this is how I feel about gourds. Yo, if you, hey, they gave us a banjo. I mean, if you get like a, a big enough gourd, they're. I mean, they're impressive. They can be impressive. This, That's this, what Biggest Dickus said. This review brought to you by Big Gourd, <laughs> our new sponsor. Gord, Gordon Ramsay. I was looking for the Passion of Christ yeah. for a theology class. This was better. 
<laughs> that's literally what they that's literally what they write in uh in that article i was talking about pretty much she's like yeah, yeah. i didn't show my kids like the passion of the christ i showed them uh life of brian and said because it's a more theologically accurate film it's like yeah Dude. absolutely absolutely yeah I bet nobody's that. no one's trying to like uh you know uh propagandize to you besides to tell you to think for yourself and i, and I love that the speech really is like he's like think for, everybody think for yourselves and it's like be authentic um yeah think through things to yourself find your yeah. own authentic meaning yeah again i no. i totally want to do a whole existentialist uh segment and an intro to philosophy class with from this film you could yeah totally Just, do it you know Sounds good. tweet the most unhinged things you can think of and then no one wants to be in the group with you and <laughs> yes i've rated this the same as killers of the flower moon what are you gonna do crucify me <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's got to think about it for a second. Mm -hmm. In high school, we used to do the Michael Palin X Leopard jig a lot. Yeah, we were cool. <laughs> that's one. That's one character we didn't touch on. That is very funny. No, X Leopard is great. Yeah, it's, it's, it's literally my subtitle, <laughs> but we haven't talked about it all. You're right. It's yeah. the same uh, energy as the. Uh, he turned me into a newt. I yeah. got better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> but like, I love his jig around the, the shit in the middle of the street. Yeah, yeah. Where he yeah. just like, kind of dances around it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Want to talk about ahead of its time. Before Grammar Nazi, there was Grammar Centurion. Before Big Dick mm. Energy, there was Biggest Dickus. Enough said. <laughs> True. Nice. True. Nice. True. That, that is a mic drop. <laughs> yeah. Thanks to George Harrison for buying a $4 million movie ticket so we could watch this masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> for he real. Really, he really did. Yeah. Like, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. I guess that's that's my yeah. lesson of the, the George Harrison thing. Oh, yeah. I do. If I was a rich guy, I'd, I'd do cool stuff like that all the time. If man. I was a rich man. Yeah, you wouldn't be building staircases. You'd be making life a Brian. Goddamn right. <laughs> I would be I would be building MC Escher staircases. That nowhere. sounds cool with you though. Damn, bro, you got the whole squad crucified. <laughs> Yo, he gets crucified with the same couple from the beginning, where where they're all watching the, from the argument. The yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, I love the I love the whole like the Jewish cemetery bit, where like this this was supposed to be a Jewish only area of the. You <laughs> yeah. Know what I mean? like, <laughs> yeah, raise I'm raise, Brian, raise your hands. Yeah, they're like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it's good physical humor. By the way, the good Samaritan, like you know, the guy was like, "Oh, I'm a Samaritan." It should have been the guy that uh, picked up the the cross for him. Yeah. Oh yeah, I agree. <laughs> mm -hmm. Is yeah. it ethical to enjoy a movie solely based on how many times they say "biggest dickus"? That was me when I was eight. Uh, yeah, as a really philosophy really. professor, yes, it is. So you're the most qualified one to answer. So there you go. There you go. But literally, literally like as an eight year old, I was I was like enjoying it just solely based on how like that scene was the funniest <laughs> thing I'd ever seen. I think up it, to that point. Yeah. It works would on I, so many levels. It's still pretty funny. The name. Yeah. <laughs> There's something there for the eight-year-olds. There's something there for the philosophers. It, it's yeah. broad appeal. It's still good. Mm -hmm. All right. So there you go. Those letterbox one liners for Life of Brian. Please, please, please uh, go follow the show at Movie Night Extra. That is the show's account. That is a new account that uh, we are going through. Not mine anymore. We're at. I was gonna get to that. I'm, I'm changing. I'm changing up the talk up, dude. Uh, that is. Uh, we're posting stories of all the episodes that we do. So if you're on Letterboxd, you can uh, check those out. Follow the show. At always Flacco is Nadius Maximus. He went out for wine and never came back, but he does come back to Letterboxd to log things now and again. So if you want to follow him and see what his he did a joke review of Life of Brian didn't land. 
Sorry, my man. Did not land. Yeah. I got it, but I think I think I get why people were confused. I, I did it from the perspective of someone from the people's front of Judea that was reading no. the movie one to you know I'm, I'm explaining to the podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's I got it, but yeah, didn't didn't work. But don't but don't judge him for that. He's he's on there logging all the, th- the movies that we uh, cover on here as well. I am Kona Neutron, the ex leper in question, doing the said jig. I am watching the highbrow, the midbrow, the populous fair, everything in between. Uh, finish the Criterion Challenge. So there's a new one starting up in December. But uh, yeah, everyone can 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 clap for that if they feel so inclined. But follow me along for next year's Criterion Challenge, and I don't know whatever the hell else I get up to for the next like, month and a half, I guess. Um, but I'm all over that biz at Kona Neutron. Jay Andrew, holy gourd world is the people's popular front of Judea. Just one guy. <laughs> and he's watching all the weirdest stuff. So you don't have to, or maybe so you can. Uh, and it's not for me to judge. I'm just over here calling balls and strikes about it. Uh, but he's doing it either way. So go check him out on Letterboxd right about now. Uh, and he number will. Two. Number two. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I've never understood why it's too but i don't care about the answer so it's yeah it's, it's a boring answer then <laughs> i, I want to hear it even less now uh ryan like i don't i don't believe you are on letterboxd right i am not i i should create there one. is a ryan lake on there and i thought that was you for a second but then it's uh, about canada i'm like i think this is a different name, uh, so no I, I grew up in michigan almost canada but not quite almost but, but not quite I'll, I'll, I'll get on there it's almost but not quite an interesting story but but you were fingering yeah. canada <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Holy Gord, let's take it away with the plugs, but don't we? All right. Uh, right now, you're watching us on YouTube, so please do these YouTube things. Like, comment, subscribe, hit that bell. And, of course, the big ask is to watch the video to the end. That allows us to be found in the algorithm by other movie fans, and you get the advantage of hearing a great Conan Neutron song there at the end. So it's a win-win. Right. There you go. I don't see a dime from it, but you get to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but you can find us on social media. You heard about our Patreon, uh, on our, yeah, not Patreon, but our uh, uh, Letterboxd page. But uh, we're also on uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, uh, Blue Sky, and Facebook. Threads so, too, um, by the way, but that's kind of low-key. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but you can find us on all those. It's the only low-key on Threads, frankly. Am I right? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> But but uh, if the, if you happen to follow any of those uh, channel, you know any of those social media things, that's your thing. You know, find us there. We'll, you know, say hi to us. We're, we're looking forward is, to, to meeting. Is Threads you. anyone's thing? I, there's a bunch of people on it. They're all giving like yeah. prayers to the algorithm for some reason. But like, uh, there's a bunch of people that seem to like it for whatever reason. I don't know. I sacrificed my youngest for the algorithm, and that didn't work. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Down to two kids that's, now. <laughs> I was gonna say that's a that's a harsh joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but we do have a Patreon. I kind of let the cat out of the bag earlier with that. But yes, go check out our Patreon. Uh, nice thing with the Patreon is you can go back and watch our past after parties. Um, so uh, we're doing one tonight, I believe. At least we're, we've talked about it. Um, no idea. Sure. Yeah. He, he cre- there, there's one created. Uh, so, so, so we may do one. <laughs> Um, and, and Ryan, you can join us if you'd like. If only there was someone on the show I, that knew. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably have to skip this one um, just because I have. I'm unprepared for my classes in the morning. We're disinviting you anyway. It's okay. That's okay. I, I expect <laughs> yeah, invitation if, you guys, <laughs> if you guys do any more uh, Monty Python movies, though, I'll I'll, I'll plan better. I like how you weaved into a passive ass to be on the show again. That's good. I yeah. just expect I'm going to be on for all future Monty Python movies. Resident Monty Python historian. Exactly. Ryan Lee. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, until we get Eric Idle on. Well, that's fair. You can butt me for Eric Idle. Yeah. Ruthless. That. Yeah. 
<laughs> but uh, Conan, you, you got yes. some lots of stuff happening right now in the Conan Usually Neutron universe. Yeah. Yes, the Conan Neutron Cinematic Universe. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so the video for Wild Antics by friend of the show Mark Borchardt. Uh, Merge Tomorrow on Punk News. That's off of Adult Prom by Conan Neutron the Secret Friends, the latest record that is now just barely a month old. And neutronfriends.bandcamp.com to get that. Uh, Punk News is the outlet that is premiering it. So look for that link. Uh, it's just basically me acting the fool for about three and a half minutes. So there you go. If that sounds <laughs> of interest to you. Boy, have I got a video for you, kid. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you, kid. I got a video for you. <laughs> um, and, and of course, we got a Protonic Reversal, you know, the, the yep. thing that people have been staring at behind you. Um, <laughs> yeah, the visual. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you, but if you want to know what that's all about, uh, it is Conan's long form music interview show. And uh, uh, who you have coming up? Long form and long running. So I just had Gary Floyd of uh, the Dicks on, Sister Double Happiness, uh, Black Cali Ma. That is now in the general feed and out. To the world at large, it's Nina Nastasia uh, on Thursday. So, who's amazing singer-songwriter, uh, really, really talented lady, and that's that's gonna that's gonna be awesome. And that's uh, gonna be something that, uh, like a lot of things with my show, almost ten years now, is gonna be for the nerds that it's for. And I say that with peace and love in my heart. Peace and love. <laughs> and of course, uh, you know, go to. Uh, patreon and support conan it's a dollar a month to uh, get episodes of Reversal early um so, so so if you can't wait for that uh help him out that really that keeps the lights on over at the neutron household and um and i need uh, a lot of them for this green screen so <laughs> it's an led green screen <laughs> exactly it's, it's, it's a wood-burning green screen if, it, if, if we keep dropping patrons like we have uh, and also because I was out on tour, uh, most a uh, lot of October, yeah, dropped a few patrons. So anyone that wants to jump in on that, that get something out of the show, it's always appreciated. Uh, but that's it. That's the only. That's the only thing is one dollar a month early access. I'm very populous that way. Okay. Excellent, uh, Ryan. I don't know if you have anything to plug besides your social medias. Don't yeah. Don't have much to plug lately. Um, that's fine. I, we I, used up all the plug time for me. There okay. you go. Perfect. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I speaking of which, I forgot one. I'm going to be on This Is Revolution to talk about the Bandcamp epic buyout and the Song Trader uh, thing, uh, which is going to be a larger conversation about sustainability in, in music and uh, direct support to artists, which is going to be a great conversation. And I've been wanting to do this for a long time. So I'm... Mutual aid for artists. <laughs> We're at that point. Anyway, tell us more about stuff you don't have to promote, Ryan. Oh, I mean, I'm Chaos Pet on all the social media stuff. Um, I draw comics for dailynews.com, which is one of the big philosophy blogs. And yeah, that's about it. Fantastic. Yeah. And of course, I just want to shout out Christina, who's not here. Um, please go to her Patreon. Uh, check her out on Twitch whenever she's on there. And, uh, uh, you know, go to uh, patreon.com slash cosmopolitics and uh, support her if, if you uh, want to see her more. Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing her more. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ryan, do you have do you have final thoughts? Anything you want to get to? Um, I I not really. Um, I, I'll I, I'm tempted to go back uh, back in the day when we used to do movies on uh, give them an argument. My old uh, my old classic movie review. Good movie. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, very binary thing. Uh, Andy. Yeah, this is uh, you know. Uh, I got to say, like, this, this is definitely one of my, uh, you know, probably my, 
It's definitely not my favorite, but but it's like my top three uh, Python films. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, easily now, in the top three. Yeah. yeah um, the the thing is, is like like the, what works about it is like it actually works as a film. It's it's the only one that does because uh, the other two films yeah. that they did were were basically sketches. Um, mm -hmm. I, I you know I do think that uh, life you know meaning of life you know is what it is because of the fact that that uh, this movie was uh, you know such a great uh, linear story and they kind of. Um, you know, they, 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 I wish they did more of this. I really did. Like, I would love to see another like long form, uh, story. Yeah. Um, but sadly, uh, Graham Chapman passed away and was it 89? I think it was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, they did, they, they did meaning of life, life next. And that's just, you know, they're back to doing sketches too. Like, yeah, that, that was like 82. I mean, they, they might've had time, but like John Cleese was busy doing his own thing and everybody else was. And sadly they never, they never got back together. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, which which kind of breaks my heart because there, you know, it would have been nice to have one more Monty Python movie, but uh, it wouldn't. You know, they, they were we getting out of each other's stuff, though. Like, I mean, I feel like yeah. it's it cool. Splinter Cell style, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. There, there's a lot of uh, side projects that they did, but it's it's not quite the same because it's it's one person driving the project as opposed to like a collaboration among them all. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Conan, final thought. It's a fantastic satire. It's a send up of religiosity, community organizing, and the nature of belief, and absolutely obnoxious followers of all those things. And uh, yeah. it's, it's aged a lot better than a lot of people give it credit for. It isn't quite the gag a minute of Holy Grail, but the laughs are long and loud. And I think it's one of the great religious satires still after all these years. Yeah. Well, guys, do you find it visible when I say the name Biggest? Dickus. <laughs>